everybody is in sales. So we don't have one salesperson per se. Every single person on this team is empowered to have a conversation with mm -hmm. any potential client. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. Welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams, everyone. I am excited about our next guest. We've got Angela Johnson. She's a CEO and certified scrum trainer, also an author of the Scrum Masters. She's an expert in entrepreneurship and professional education for adult learners. She's also the host of the Ignite Agility podcast. Her business just turned 13 on June 1st in 2019. And also in 2019, they opened a brick and mortar training center. And I know what you're thinking, but they successfully navigated through COVID. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, so let's let's get right into it. You know, when you say scrum, I think of rugby because I perfect. <laughs> perfect. And so I think of a bunch of men lining up and getting ready to get into the scrum, which is a restart in rugby. So what is what is scrum in business? That's exactly the metaphor that the name comes from. So I love that you already know that little formation, that scrummage, mm -hmm. that rugby like huddle. So it's people working together towards a common goal. Because if people are pulling in disparate directions, we are mm -hmm. not going to make our goal. We're too busy fighting each other or distracted or we lack focus, but it's mm -hmm. all about people focusing and coming together, hence scrummage, short, you know, scrum, shortened to scrum mm -hmm. to accomplish those goals and objectives. No, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I played rugby for five years and then eventually my wife was like, okay, you're done. Like you, you got a torn, <laughs> you got a torn pectoral muscle. You got bad knees now. You know what I mean? It, it wears on you fast. And of course I'm playing like social clubs and stuff. Um, but it was a big deal. I would notice, you know, with the different teams that I played with throughout the season, as the guys got to know each other better and started working together better, there was less communication needed because we already knew what each other wanted or was going to do. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. then when it came to the scrum, I started, I started in, in the back, uh, the back two. So I was, uh, what was called second row. And it was crazy when you had a solid second row that could hold their position, how well you would do in those scrums, you know? And, and it, it was, if anybody was off just a little bit, it would mess up the rest of the guys and our scrum would fall apart, you know? So I can imagine that that metaphor in business works so well, because if you have one member on the team that isn't dialed in and isn't in their position and kind of working in their genius, that everybody just kind of falls apart. Is that what you experience? Absolutely. And even that concept of second row, having each other's backs, because mm -hmm. Although we do have our specialties, totally true. We leverage each other's experience. We aren't pigeonholing people into one specialty. So if they want to learn other things, if they want to start taking on other skills and disciplines, that only makes the team stronger. And now as a, a small business owner, mm -hmm. think about that, especially during something like COVID. Do I have one trick ponies who can only do one thing or do I have versatility? Do I have true agility on my team? so that I can pivot in the face of anything that's thrown at us. And that's that's the beauty of it, when a team really starts becoming truly cross-functional with each other. 
No, I love it. And it's, it's so incredibly important. And, and just like you described during trying times like COVID, but also now when, all right, all the government money's drying up, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Now kind of a bunch of businesses are being exposed or they're exposing their weaknesses in their business, whether it be sales, operations, fulfillment, customer satisfaction, and all these things are kind of coming to light now. And so everybody's kind of looking for, all right, how do I dial all this in? So tell me about your, your business. Um, it's an education company from what I understand. And, uh, you know, why scrum, why did you get into it? And, and why did you decide to take it to the next level? Right? Because you could have just been, you know, a scrum master and worked different contracts sure. with different businesses and everything and made great money. You know what I mean? Why did you decide to take it to that next level? Well, I'm a bit of a broken corporate employee, if I'm being honest, because I was doing exactly what you just said. I was taking Scrum Master contracts and working, you know, for an hourly rate at different clients. And mm -hmm. I saw the margin that these companies were taking. And in, in my, you know, jaded opinion, for doing not much, for doing yeah. very little. I'm not trying to denigrate, you know, those negotiations and those relationships and whatnot. But I'm like, right. I could do this. So yeah. I created an, an S-Corp to just do corp to corp. So I'm like, a little bit of paperwork, I can handle that. Right. I had no aspiration of taking it to that next level, but it just mm -hmm. kind of happened because dang, I got busy. And so yeah. I started attracting like-minded people to me who also were passionate about this way of working, who mm -hmm. wanted to teach and coach others in doing it. And one thing led to another and all of a sudden I have a team. Mm -hmm. So our organization, although we focus on education and coaching others, we decided to pivot and vertically integrate back in 2019, as you alluded to in the intro, because mm -hmm. as we were holding classes, it started to reflect poorly on our brand. If we would hold them in like a dodgy hotel ballroom or oh, yeah. a training center that wasn't that great. Yeah. So we decided control. to make right. Yeah. Couldn't control any of the variables. So mm -hmm. in 2019, we opened an 8,000 square foot training and event center here in Minneapolis right before a global pandemic, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> right? And so then, you know, COVID hits and funny thing, when the government closes you down, the rent is still due. I mean, weird. Yeah. So crazy. we had to pivot like crazy and tricked out a couple of rooms like the one I'm in to make it a little mm -hmm. bit of a studio because our classes flipped virtually, flipped online. Yeah. So then we started licensing our space out to other companies who had let their buildings go during mm -hmm. COVID times and who now are famously saying, nope, we're virtual forever, right? We're not going to yeah. go back to bricks and mortar. So that part of the business that started out as our side hustle mm -hmm. is very quickly becoming the main hustle. Okay. Because many people are using our space for their own events mm -hmm. and we're happy to be in our little studio teaching our virtual classes. Yes, and our in-person classes too. Right. But because we made the center an all-inclusive one-stop shop, mm -hmm. people are loving using our space. And so, like I say, that's quickly becoming the, the main hustle, even though it started off as kind of a, we could do this ourselves, right? As yeah. a, a vertically integrating our own need inside the business. No, I think y'all capitalize on a massive opportunity there uh, to go from, and it, and everybody should be looking at that in their business in general. You want to become McDonald's, right? You want to own the real estate, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the fact that y'all own the uh, access to that real estate is massive because, I mean, you can do anything with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I've seen, I've seen a bunch of businesses pop up that are just content creation locations, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. And you literally punch in a code and you can go in, create your content, pay the hourly fee, whatever it is, and then leave. And nobody manages it. Nobody has, I mean, obviously there's cameras in the place, so you can't take all their stuff, right. you know, <laughs> but it's just one of those, like, it's like a storage unit, you know, where uh, all the money is made without you being there, you know? And I, and I feel like once you set your systems up uh, with your event centers and everything, and, and yeah, also what did COVID do a lot of? It created, it really blew up the coaching industry and the um, consulting industry. I'm a consultant. And uh, so, and what do we need? We need spaces to hold our events, you know, <laughs> and, and not everybody can afford to have the building or to have a long-term lease. So if you could be the source for that, that's, that's massive. So I love the pivot there for sure. And when you go to places like hotels, they've started trying to capitalize on people's needs. So they're charging mm -hmm. just crazy money for Wi-Fi access. I'm like, yeah. what? Ours is included and it's fiber, not cable. It's it's good stuff. Yeah. And we even throw in the coffee and the soda and all that, you know, so you don't have to pay five bucks for a can of Coke like you would yeah. at a hotel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I think uh, anytime you can find a, a space like that, that's kind of all inclusive. It's 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 massive. You know, we have a office here in our office building and it's a very modern, you know, good looking office building. So I'm excited about getting another office and kind of creating that space for entrepreneurs to come in and hold their events or be able to hold my own. And that's the whole deal is like in the same way we buy real estate for other people to lease it out, but we get the appreciation on it and we get the um, the equity. Uh, you can do the same thing with your with your business. It's like you can use your event space for all your events. And now you got 8000 square feet at your disposal. You know what I'm saying? Or you can lease it out to other people and have them pay for it, right? Right. And make a profit mm -hmm. on that. So, right. No, that's, I love it. I love that model. Okay. So, when it comes to uh, a scrum master in a business, what are they, what are they actually doing in the business, right? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you. Most of my listeners are small businesses, right? And so, to me, this is a very corporate product, right? And so, whenever something is corporate and I give it a hard time, I do. Like it is a lot of pretty words and it's like, what is, what do they actually do though? The presentations are beautiful, you know what I'm saying? And everything looks nice, but when it comes down to the nitty gritty, what is a scrum master doing in the business? What would you say you do here? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I told you I'm a, I'm a broken corporate employee myself. Yeah. I told you. Uh, so scrum masters have a number of stances to what they provide. They're not okay. only a coach, <clears throat> they're a neutral, the facilitator, a okay. guide, a teacher but they serve a business in three different ways. Not just the people doing the work, not just the person giving the direction, but okay. also the stakeholders and anybody else outside of the core team. There mm -hmm. are some terms in the framework. Scrum Master is one of them, which you already know. <clears throat> Fancy way of saying coach. But then we have the people doing the work. The Scrum Guide calls them developers, but you could just think of them as the doers, the producers, the people doing the work. We have a person called the product owner. They're the person calling the shots. They're the person talking to the salespeople, the, the business, the stakeholders, and giving focus, giving a focused set of direction to the doers. Mm -hmm. So a scrum master has got quite a lot on their hands, you know, you know, to, to take care of, making mm -hmm. sure the producers are producing, talking to the product owner and the organization about what's next so that yeah. we know what's coming next, getting impediments out of their way getting in any impediments or blockers that prevent the producers from delivering value. So I like to think of a scrum master if they're doing the role as intended, keeping the producers producing. Oh, I love that. It, it sounds very similar to 
you know, when you look at like a uh, EOS model, I, mm -hmm. I got to imagine you heard of that. It's, it have. sounds like the, the integrator in EOS yes. a little bit. Okay. Yes. There's a lot of similarities cool. between Traction and, and mm -hmm. Scrum for sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. But like, I feel like EOS is more geared for maybe a small business and Scrum's more geared for like a larger company. So, so when do you know when you're ready for a Scrum master? The minimum for a Scrum team would be 10 people. So if you okay. have at least 10 people, because um, you want somebody to be the Scrum master because they have greater needs too. They have to you know, help the organization, but you mm -hmm. need somebody calling the shots. You need that product owner. Well, then how many doers or producers do you need? Really, you know, three to eight, somewhere in that sweet spot. So if you're mm -hmm. too small, you're absolutely right. It's not going to be a good fit. But if you mm -hmm. have 10 people or more really focusing on producing, I've seen this work really well in a services organization that I help that only has 20 employees. So okay. they have two scrum teams, but they're working on the same set of services. So it's the same product. So they mm -hmm. can get away with that. They can get away with one product owner and a scrum master and two small cross-functional teams working. Okay. And it worked well for their business. But the large corporations, <clears throat> I always say if it's like a publicly traded company, mm -hmm. I mean, best of luck implementing Scrum in a company of, you know, 20,000 employees or more, because right. nothing's going to pivot that ship quickly. You right. know, we're talking about being agile here. We're talking about being mm -hmm. nimble. So yeah. I love about 5,000, 6,000 employees or less. Mm -hmm. Love okay. working with privately held companies because there's just so much more you can do once you get to the leadership level about mm -hmm. making change happening. Well, I, and I feel like when you get that big too, I mean, you could kind of isolate one division and it, it's its own company. You know, it's got you its could. own fulfillment. <clears throat> it's got its own marketing, advertising, all that good stuff. So um, I feel like you could compartmentalize a little bit at that point. And then if the whole company does it, then you've got you know, like in a five, six, six thousand person company, how many, how many scrum masters would that take? Or is it just one? Oh God, it couldn't be just one. Okay. I was going <laughs> to say. That would be like a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. Okay. Uh, an effective scrum master can really only serve one scrum team of developers okay. and product owner, because they also have the organizational stuff. Mm -hmm. When you start to scale, which is really what we're talking about here, yeah. when you start to scale, <clears throat> as long as it's the same product, whether that's a service or a physical product, and you have that product owner, you can have multiple teams serving mm -hmm. that product. So Scrum Master can really take on about two to three at the most, at the most, okay. and then they got their hands full. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you you jumped into basically, you know, where it wasn't just you by yourself anymore. Now you right. brought on a whole mm -hmm. team. How are you structured? And I'm curious, I'm, I'm selfishly curious about this because you know, I've got uh, my building grade sales team's product, right? And I've got one-on-one -on -one consulting with that. And um, I'm currently training another consultant right now. And then we're going to eventually bring on two more. That way we can scale, right? But it's all mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. this, you know, building grade sales team's framework. And in your case, it's the Scrum framework. So how did you decide that, like, hey, I have enough work to where I can bring on other people and, and, and feed them work? And are you the only rainmaker or? You know, like we talked about before we got on the call, right? You know, your concept is that everybody's a salesperson. So, can you kind of talk about the flow of business into the company, where it comes from, and then when you decided, hey, I need more people in the in this uh, Scrum Master role? You pointed out that we just turned thirteen, <clears throat> so two to three years in, I already knew I was in trouble and needed help. 
because okay. I'm one person. I can only deliver one class at a time. I can't physically be delivering, you know, multiple training classes at a time. Not right. yet anyway. Haven't figured out how to do that. But um, also with engagements for client work. And so as I started mentoring and training somebody else, because you said, am I the only rainmaker? I am not. Mm -hmm. Christian Antoine is also a certified scrum trainer on my team who okay. I mentored into doing exactly what I do. Okay. And so he very quickly developed his own following. But we also have another trainer who, although we're passionate about Scrum, he's equally passionate about something called Kanban, which may be a whole different conversation for a okay. different day. But he's accredited in that in his own right. And so okay. how does work really flow into the company? We do have our followings. And so social media for us is key. We have okay. our own podcast as well so that we can mm -hmm. drip out content. But we have to be on, on social media. That's this new digital age. That's just our Absolutely. bread and butter. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Everybody is in sales. So we don't have one salesperson per se. Every single person on this team is empowered to have a conversation with mm -hmm. any potential client. And I haven't even talked about you know the physical space because we have other teammates right. who focus on the physical space. But if we were trying to make people specialize, we'd be kind of dead in the water. And so when I look at myself in the kind of organization I wanted to create, mm -hmm. I absolutely did not want it to be command and control. I don't want to hear the phrase, Angela said, Angela said. I also do not want people well, I have to check with Angela. Well, I have to check with Angela. I do not want to be a bottleneck. So mm -hmm. I love the fact that I have the gift of working here. This is truly yeah. an empowered, self-organizing team who mm -hmm. uses the framework, making work visible, having an ordered list, this advanced technique called talking to each other every day <laughs> and helping each other figure out what we need. Everybody has a stamp with my signature mm -hmm. on it. They have oh, access wow. to the company checkbook. They have a company credit card. There's beer in the fridge. There is a wine fridge too. Equal opportunity here, let's be honest. And in 13 <laughs> years, nobody has abused it. Nobody has abused it. Because you, you hire adults. I hire adults. <laughs> I treat people like adults. They yeah. act like adults. Crazy. You know, yeah. so I, I work with leaders who sometimes get so worried they're like, I said, what, what's wrong? Don't, don't you trust people? Of course I, I don't trust them. I don't trust I them. I'm, like, I'm, I'm a little jaded on this and I, I get where they're coming from because I, I did door to door for 13 years. So I hired door to door sales reps, you know what I'm saying? Which these are, these are not adults. They're, they're young adults. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> they haven't figured out their moral compass yet. You know okay. what I'm saying? And so I'm, I am more than sure you know, all the red flags going up in my head as you're talking about this all come from that trauma, I should say. So, uh, you know, my team that I have now, 100% I could do that with. I actually do that with, like my whole team has access to our company credit card, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, we don't we don't have beer in the fridge. I, you I know? saw you look over <laughs> at your producer, you're like, hey. <laughs> Process but, uh, improvement. Well, like, he doesn't drink, you know what I mean? So that, you know, kind we of- We got sparkling water. We got Yeah, exactly. We have our own energy drink. So <laughs> there's that, you know, we're all about caffeine, but all right. So there's, there's a few things that I'm curious on. Mm -hmm. All right, so everybody's a salesperson in the company. So let me ask you this, is your sales process outlined in terms of, or is it one of those things where 
if you're doing enough on social media, they come to you digitally and they check out digitally to where you don't have to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation or what does all that look like? Yeah, when you say outline, I'm gonna say loosely because okay. there's an outline and it's on the wall, but it's fairly loose. The okay. part that you're describing about a transaction, yeah, mm -hmm. the transactional stuff is separate. You see, you know, the shopping cart, you want your ticket, you check out online, bada bing, you're good to go. Okay. But when we get into um, private work, or, you know, a leader says, hey, I want my team trained and I want that to happen all together and I want maybe some consulting or some coaching afterwards. It's got to be a conversation. It just has to be. Yeah. So a very typical response from any single one of us who gets whatever that email is or whoever's checking the company inbox that day. It's like, can we hop on the phone for a 15 minute conversation? Because we got some questions, right? What, what direction this could go? And it could go any number of ways where we do, in fact, engage with them in a private opportunity. Or if we find out they really only have one or two people, it's better to put them into a publicly held right. training class. And then we'll tackle mm -hmm. the other things through coaching. So it does usually have to start with some sort of conversation and we adapt from there. Okay. And is that, that conversation outline or scripted? It or is. is it Okay. Very nice. Very nice. It is. It's taken some time and some work and we've learned. Yes. And it's funny that you mentioned about the door to door because that is my teammate's background. He used to sell books door to door in the South for years. Yes. And yeah. he, so I like to call him book boy. So he mm -hmm. and I have a little bit of a rivalry when we are okay. talking about sales. So if I bring oh, in man. something fairly substantial. I'll be like, take that book boy, you know, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll, you know, it. he'll land something and he'll be like, you don't break up the set. Boom. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I love that you found uh, somebody for your team like that. Cause that is a nice dynamic that's happening there. And, and I would love to speak to that for a second because I was just introduced to it probably about two years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And so obviously my whole career has been impulse, you know, buy or die at the door, you know, very, and, and I wouldn't even say aggressive because we, we left that in the nineties, the aggressive mm -hmm. part. Yeah, we left that sure. in the nineties. We're information-based sellers now. We're consultants when we're at the door, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's, it's completely different. The uh, culture that it happens, you know, after you close the sale and you go to your team, you tell them you close the sale versus like before, before you're the sweetest, nicest, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're adapting to the customer, you're, you're using all the techniques and everything, but you, tr the difference is now we truly believe in our product, you know, versus For back sure. then, nobody sure. cared if you believed in your product, they just cared that you closed. Right. Right. And so, um, going into all that, you know, two years ago, I was introduced to a few different masterminds and I was introduced to this concept of, uh, becoming an authority and attracting your customer, you know, and when you do that, which is what you're talking about through social media, by the time your customer gets to you and has a conversation and is comfortable having a conversation, they're already 95% sold. So you don't have to engage all of these techniques and everything because the product sells itself before they even come to you. Right. right. Because you're putting it out there, you're giving value, you're posting on social media, you know what I mean? And you've got the, you've written the book. So you are the authority. You've got the podcast, you're the authority there. So it's not a question of, are you good for this? You know, are you good for what I need for my team? It's just, how does it work? Can I budget it? You know what I'm saying? And can I actually come out with this expenditure? And so, but within that framework, within that conversation, like we just talked about, there are some techniques you can use to make sure you're addressing their pain mm -hmm. points and then uh, present it 
to them specifically versus how you present it to everybody on social media, you know? And so um, I love the dynamic of the two kind of fusing together, creating this, uh, this uh, master sales company in a sense, you know what I mean? Right. And so I think it's important to point out both of those because, you know, you do have them both within your organization, which is, which is really cool. We do. And one of the things that makes us, you know, it's going to sound cheesy if I say it makes us different, but it's true. As you said, we have a product we believe in and, and we believe strongly in our capabilities and our track record speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. So we don't say yes to every piece of work. Right. <gasps> you know, a services organization, right? Turning work down. There are times when we're not going to be of value and it, it doesn't do us any good. To, to fake it or to phone mm-hmm. it in because then now we don't have a referenceable client. There's going to be times where we say, you know what, we're not the best fit for you. We will refer, you know, to somebody that we believe is, but we right. don't say yes to every piece of work. And that gets quite the reaction out of some organizations I talk to or sales folks that I talk to. They're just like, mm-hmm. well, it's, it's served us well for 13 years. So uh, something must be going right. Well, you have a, a, I don't want to say complicated, but you have a, uh, an intense product, if you will, you know, and, and you're essentially like your higher end clients, you're probably your five figure, even like long-term six figure clients, like that's a relationship you're saying yes mm-hmm. to, you know? Yeah. And so if the it values is. don't align or if their long-term goals don't align, or if you feel like they already have some of what you have in your product, they already have it in their business and you're not going to add just an insane amount of value and they're going to be raving fans. I mean, I, I'm the same way. I I don't take that business. I'm like, Hey, you guys are really well, y'all have a great sales program here. What you want is a a sales trainer to get on video and, and do all the sexy stuff. You know what I'm saying? But what I do is I get in the weeds and I build out the sales program. You know what I mean? I can do the training and and we can put it on video for you and do all that kind of stuff. But you honestly, you can pay people a lot less to do that. (laughs) I'm saying I'm going to come in and build your actual sales program. So um, I think it's important, especially now when we place so much more emphasis on our passion and our uh, purpose in our work versus before it was just about the dollars and cents, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I always, I always do this before and, and after. It's more my journey, whereas before in my 20s, it was very much dollar cents, headcount equals bank account. You know what I mean? Oh. And now in my 30s, mm-hmm. it's more about purpose and passion and then fitting fitting my uh, career into about a nine to four and then giving the rest of the time to my family. You know what I'm saying? So kind of architecting the life that I want a little bit in that sense too. And a lot of that includes turning down work. So I would imagine there's other motivations besides you know, your business for you to turn down work like that. Totally. Now that I know you're so much younger than me, (laughs) (laughs) I did, I had a really good single life. So in my twenties and thirties, it was about the dollars and cents and I raised sailboats competitively. And I would literally take my uh, consulting gigs because that's what they were to me. Mm -hmm. And I would structure them around my sailing schedule. I'd I'd structure them around my regatta schedule. It's like, oh, I'll take a six-month contract because then it'll end right when Antigua Race Week is lining up. You know what I mean? So it was was all about the fun and the lifestyle. And then, you know, you meet the right husband in your 40s and have a baby. So I started late, but you're you're right. It is now all about family. 
So now uh -huh. for me, it's not only did I have, you know, my child and start my family later in life, mm -hmm. I started my business later uh, than other people have too. So yeah. you can't have too many babies. So the boat had to, you know, go bye-bye for a while. But so right now it's all about family and our lifestyle and our freedom, really. That's one of the things that we talk about on this mm -hmm. team is the freedoms we have that we may not have if we were in some larger corporation or something like that. No, I, I love it. And, and it brings us to our last question. But before we get to that, I definitely want to highlight the book, The Scrum Master Files. What inspired you to write it and what can people expect when they, they order it and receive it? Um, it is all about my failures. <laughs> I don't know about you, I but it. I learned doing okay. things wrong. And so as a newer scrum master, I'd say I was pretty damn naive, didn't really know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so the only way I have the knowledge that I do now is from going through those failures, those first attempts in learning. And so mm -hmm. it's six of my favorite case studies, but they're ripped from my headlines. And I'm not violating any, any non-disclosures. So any clients don't have to worry, right? right? The names have been withheld to protect the innocent and the guilty. But it, <laughs> it is all my failures. And so what I take the readers through is what went wrong, mm -hmm. how they could have prevented it, and then how to fix it. And so they're learning vicariously, so to speak, through me. Oh, I love that. And, and I think there needs to be more of that in the coaching and consulting space. It's like, you know, so many people talk about, oh, I did this in this amount of time and I made this much money and I could teach you how to do it too. I'm more interested in what it took you to get to the point where you made that in that amount of time, you know, right. because <clears throat> that's going to teach me a lot more of what to avoid, which is what I wanted to know versus, all right, do X, Y, and Z and you'll get this result. Because if it's, if it's that simple, then everybody can do it and then i'm not going to be competitive but versus the the the, fa the failures teach me what i'm going to go through in that journey and i can compress time essentially because i can avoid those failures you know so i love totally. that that's where you started it from and and one of the things that i was noticing on the website is you're, you're not just talking to scrum masters or some you know a business that wants to implement scrum you're you basically say if you're an agile coach, leader, trainer, mentor, facilitator, team member, or just work with people, this book is for you. You will unlock the secrets of working better together. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? Because, you know, I know the book is about people skills. It's about working together. What do you feel like a lot of business owners or leaders in business are missing when it comes to those things? They're missing the people chip. You know, it's, it sounds overly simple or overly trite, but it's, it's not. And so oftentimes just staying neutral, which is a common stance in a scrum master, staying neutral enables me to actively listen, to not only listen with my ears, but with my eyes and pick up on what's going on and I'll intervene. And because I'm a neutral, I can maybe more gently say, that's not really what this person meant. I heard X, Y, Z and help them get to a common understanding. And one of my clients is like, how come you always seem to just put your finger right on where our people problems are? Cause I'm paying attention. Yeah. I'm not doing this. I'm mm -hmm. not doing this. I'm actually paying attention. And you could do that for yourself 
if you had somebody hone these skills or truly be, you know, in that stance. And they could be a leader. They could be a coach. They don't have to be a scrum master. So really, people will pick up on some of what those people geek uh, traits are from the book as well. No, I love that because that means it's for everybody, essentially, because we all need help with that, whether we're we're serving that church or in our business or in a you know multi-billion dollar organization, right? Okay, so you've got the event center, which that business excites me so much more than everything else for whatever reason, because <laughs> I just feel like everything can be happening in that building. But you've got the event center, you've got your uh, training company on becoming a scrum master, and I did... So is the, let me ask you this, just to make sure we get it right in the show notes, um, is the, let's see, collaborative leadership team, that's your, that's your business? Mm-hmm. That's the site? Okay. I just wanted to double check, make sure we weren't ordering through somebody else's on accident. <laughs> and um, so you've got your, your training business and then hopefully you still get some sailing in sometimes. So what's, what's Not next? Not as much as I used to. <laughs> What's next really? for your your business and, and your mm. brand, I should say? We're really working on, and I'm glad that you said brand, we're really working on West End Conference Center becoming its own brand. So yeah. collaborative leadership team is always going to be the place where people can find the classes because there is that transactional element of, I just want to book, you know, get a ticket and see what that's all about. Yeah. But people who want the event space, we created a separate site for West End Conference Center. So it's westendconferencecenter.com. And we did this really cool thing where there was somebody uh, who offices not very far away from us who showed up at our doorstep with a drone. You should have seen the little boys on my team, like a drone, a drone. And they're like, can we fly it through your space and we'll give you the video for free? But we're just getting started on creating 360 tours. And we're like, heck yeah, come on in. So they flew their drone through our center so you can take a 360 tour of the space but that's really helped for people to imagine themselves in the center you know Mm -hmm. hey do i just need a room with a door for a day desk for a day or do i actually have a small event that i'm trying to plan or a training event that i'm trying to plan Mm -hmm. and that's that's the exciting part this is this is what's next for us and we're not co-working because there's enough of that there's enough of the we works and the we work wannabes we don't lock people into those contracts or into those memberships. Mm-hmm. You know, you want a desk for an hour, you got it. You want a desk for a day, you got it. And we give you an office with a door. You're not, you know, in the middle of a big center, everybody hearing right. what's going on or seeing what's on your screen. We offer privacy. And the bonus is just that stuff is included. The good coffee is included. The Wi-Fi is included and all that happy stuff. So. I mean, you have it for your business anyways, you know, right? you just have to order a little more of it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. And not only is everybody in sales, everybody washes dishes. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. That's important. Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, yeah, we were spending way too much on our cleaning company. It's just me and my producer in the office every day. And um, we do, we, we decided to just do it ourselves. You know what I mean? So we mm-hmm. took out the trash, we got a vacuum the other day. So we're going to uh, become little housekeepers here in a little bit. So, <laughs> all right. So long-term, you know, then this is a question I ask uh, all of my guests and it kind of pivots a little bit to, to personal in a sense, but so what is uh, late, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? 
Oh, legacy. So having an 11 year old and just having turned 53, <laughs> very top of mind. Um, my husband always says it would be great, you know, if our son wanted to get into the business and wanted to, to take that on. And then part of me goes, but he gets to create his own path. He gets to create right. his own path. So for me, I'm happy if I help someone. Nothing gets me out of bed in the morning, like, you know, a note from a student that says, hey, I took a class from you two years ago and you have no idea. I still use this that I learned from you every single day. Or you inspired me to leave my job and become a scrum master. Or you just inspired me. So for me, if I've inspired somebody, I'm doing something right. Whether it's my own son or, or somebody else, then that's my legacy is, is helping people help themselves. I love it. Well, Angela, I appreciate you coming on the show. We're going to include uh, the link for the book, the uh, your company website, as well as the book website, of course, and um, the West End Conference Center, definitely in the show notes. So if anybody's interested in any of those things, they can definitely capitalize on that. You brought a ton of value to the show, kind of opened our eyes to the scrum concepts, which I love having played rugby before. So I definitely wanted to have you on and talk about that. I appreciate you so much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.